Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When I write y'all, all across the USC, Compton, Watts, Bay to LA, from on to California, from valley to valley, we represent that killer county. So if you keeping it real on your side of your town, you tune in to Gangster Chronicles. Gangster Chronicles, we gon' tell you how it goes. Nose will grow like Pinocchio. We gon' tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. Gangsta Chronicles, this is not your average show. You're now tuned into the real MCA Big James and Big Stale. Strictly from the streets. Hello. We represent the James. Welcome to the Gangsta Chronicles Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Black Effect Podcast Network. Make sure you download the iHeart app and subscribe to the Gangsta Chronicles. For my Apple users, hit the purple mic on your front screen, subscribe to the Gangsta Chronicles, and leave a five-star rating and comment. Yeah, you know what it do. Gangsta Chronicles official. And I'm with the homeboys. Big Steel in the house. Big Jake. Man, we ain't seen eight in a couple of weeks up in this motherfucker. Eight come back looking like he just on swole, like you've just been just in the yard. 
I'm trying to get on my Trey. Like, how my nigga Trey D be all on Insta. I'm trying to get like my nigga Trey D. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Hit them, hit them weights and shit. <clears throat> no, I just been fucking around, you know, uh, with the kid. You know what I'm saying? Trying to get him ready. So I figured, shit, if he gonna be working out every day, you know, getting, you know, trying to get ready for the next level, then I might as well get myself in there too. Yeah, that's right. You for sure look like you two piece of nigga. Mm. What it do? So are we cracking it off? What we what we got to talk about, man? You this you know what I want to talk. I just want to start off, and and you know, I know everybody been hearing about my man Dion, right? Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on that? Still. I think Dion did what the hell he was supposed to do. And we as black people got it bad always trying to tell somebody what to do, right? The first thing about it is um, Dion went into Jackson State, I think it was th- maybe three years ago. Right. Turned the whole program around. Spent his own money building them a new practice field. Spent his own money every time. See, the problem is every time Dion went to the administration to ask for some more some money for something, hey, the kids need food. Oh, you got to figure that out, Dion. The kids need this. You got to figure it out, Dion. For Christ's sakes, how long is a man supposed to spend his own money? It ain't like Dion ain't played football in 25 years, dog. It's not like he had a pile of money just sitting somewhere. Right. I think Dion did what he was supposed to do because this is the problem, man. As black people, we have a problem of speaking out of turn on somebody else's situation all the time and not knowing what the hell we talking about half the time. It was people actually mad at Deion Sanders for leaving the school. Deion did what he should have did because the problem with them HBCUs, Deion can't fix it by itself. Even if Deion would have went over there and stayed there, all he would have been is just had the program where he would have been beating the shit out of every other team in the swack every week. That wouldn't have been no fun. Dion did what he's supposed to do because I'm going to tell you what the problem is now in college football is we don't have enough coaches that can relate to our kids. And when I talk about our kids, you already got kids coming in with PTSD at high school. You got them coming in, they suffer from poverty. So in some cases, they hundreds of miles from home and their mama don't got no money to come there and see them, right? So you got this white coach, which ain't bad because there's some great white coaches out there, right? So this ain't about black or white. This is about culture. When you got a kid that's coming from the hood, he's going to come in a certain way. He's going to be very raw because in a lot of times, a lot of a lot of cases, he hasn't had that parental father figure in the house. You feel what I mean? Everybody not going to be like Karan or Chris. You feel what I'm saying? They got a daddy at home and tell him what to do. So those kids need a certain other level of attention. And sometimes that comes in the form of a black coach. We got plenty of black assistant coaches, bro, but on the D1 level, it ain't, it ain't a lot of us. That's why I always root for a brother when he get them jobs. I rooted for the brother Dante when he got the job at SC in the interim. I wrote, I rooted for the brother at Notre Dame when he got that job, and I rooted for Dion. Dion so you don't had, think he had some type of hidden agenda to where I'm going to do this and then I can I can. I mean, that's – James, that's a lot of – I mean, if – I'm you talk to certain people, you know, uh, students, uh, people who represent HBCUs, um, you know, the emotions are kind of mixed. Uh, some people feel, you know, maybe he used 
Jackson State as a stepping stone uh, because he wanted to coach at Florida State and they turned him down. So that's how, you know. Um, so that couldn't have just been proving a point? But my thing is, you know, um, at what level do you feel like, you know, quote, you know, <clears throat> Your blackness is at question because, you know, anytime you work in a situation, I mean, if you work, you want to be promoted, right? You want to be, you know, the quest of, of you as a man or getting to a certain stature or status is to become there. You know, if you start at the bottom, like they say, you start at, at the bottom and you want to reach the top. So... Do you feel that uh, uh, his top plateau should have stopped at Jackson State? I think he should have just continued there because what he did with those kids, them kids love that dude. And he did something like, I mean, he really worked with those cats. He won football games. But, you know, to leave, why leave? Well, right. we had to, James, because that situation there wouldn't have gotten no better, bro. See, let, let me explain something to you. And James, I understand why you feel the way you feel, right? There's a lot of stuff that goes into running the program, right? Especially when you start talking about the difference between a Jackson State and let's say even a um even a Colorado. Colorado is not a uh, it's a power five program, but they have they've been losing for a long time, right? Even with that, they have certain resources from the stadium to the food the kids eat to travel. A lot of times in the swag, those guys catching the buses to games. So just imagine you getting off a bus on a 12 or 18-hour drive, right? Then you got to go play a game. Y'all don't got no money for a hotel, so as soon as you go out there and play the game, you hopping right back on the bus, and you're going back to, you know, you're going back home, right? So I think with Dion, man, I don't think he had a hidden agenda. I think he would have stayed there had they done the right things, but he spent a lot of his own money, James. You know, he spent a couple million dollars building that practice facility for them. Of his own money. Every time he went to the administration to ask for something, they would pretty much tell him, you handle it. After a while, you got to get tired. And plus, my thing is this. You got to think about it. Hey, Dion played football a long time ago. He's just not sitting on a billion dollars like that. I'm pretty sure his paper is straight, but how long and, and what's wrong with him progression? Because see, this is my thing. White folks have the privilege of going somewhere, staying, lying to a bunch of kids and getting the fuck on. They do it and nobody question them, but we do it in progress. Everybody mad all of a sudden. We got to take the emotion out of it, man, and be applaud him for the time they did have. Because he did some great things for that program. He brought a lot of life to it and he taking those kids with him because they just made a new rule that a kid can transfer one time without a question. He taking all those guys that came in with him, so he ain't been disloyal to nobody. Unlike some of these other coaches, they will go there, recruit kids, lie to them, get their bonus, and get on. That happened to my son when he first went to college. Man, a coach lied to him all the way up there. As soon as my son enrolled, that dude was out of there. Damn. So it's a dirty game, man. And I'm not mad at Dion for leaving, man. Um, not in the least bit. Can, 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 but can progression be, I mean, like I said, again, yeah, everything is to reach a certain point, right? Mm -hmm. You're a high school football coach. You want to maybe coach college one day, right? 
Mm-hmm. You're a college coach. You want to coach NFL one day, right? Yes, sir. Is is your loyalty in question because of your progression? In this, in in this, in this case, probably yeah. yes, and yes. Even though I don't, I don't agree with it, but I feel because the average person thinks like James. You got to understand, the average person at home don't know the inner workings of a football program. Hell. I don't know everything that go on 100% behind the scenes because I'm not privy to it, right? But on one case, I can see where the brothers may be mad, like, man, Dion was our savior. He was supposed to do this. He was supposed to make the HBCU because at the time, I'm not going to lie, it was pretty exciting because I had the thought in my head, like, man, just imagine if all the five stars start going to HBCUs because, see, back in the day, a lot of those schools like the Alabamas, Floridas, um, and a number of schools didn't even let black kids go to their school. Exactly. This was, just, this was just in the 60s on up to the early 70s. They didn't allow black kids to go there. And SC was actually one of the only programs back then to allow black kids to play. That's what made Alabama change their whole thing around. Alabama had all these white kids that had been winning games. USC went down there and whooped their ass. They couldn't stop them. them brothers from Compton running the ball. Brothers from Long Beach running the rock on them. It was too much. That Bear Bryant said, fuck this. I don't, y'all got to change that rule. I need me some of them niggas down here running around. So, James, if it was you, you would have decided to stay at Jackson. Well, not knowing the circumstances of his his situation, just on the outside looking in, I would have said stay and build something. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's more kids to come after the ones he just worked with. So you got to look at longevity when you're doing stuff like that. If you don't have a hidden agenda, then my purpose is to reach all the black kids I can, reach all the kids I can. You know what I'm saying? Because if you look at it, when he first started with that, you had a lot of cats that was buck wild. And he he taught those young dudes. He taught He taught those kids how to be men. He made them grow up, even with the shooting shit and all the shit that was going on. He he schooled those kids. He did. Dion is a good cat. I've had the pleasure they of talking to him. good dude. He has the influence to, you know, attract a, uh, a lot of, you know, like you say, a lot of, like you say, still a lot of four and five star black kids who would have necessarily ended up probably at power five schools, maybe to go play for Dion, you know, they would have, you know, took that chance. But again, Dion only coached for Jackson State. Everybody can't go to Jackson State. Do you think him staying there would have a lot would have made other black kids of that magnitude transition over to other HBCU schools because of Dion. Every oh. kid wants the best, right? Mm-hmm. Every kid want to become a better player when they play right. football. But if I can't go play for Dion, why would I pass up going to a Alabama or a Clemson to go to a Southern or uh, Grambling or one of these, one of the, you know, the, the HBCUs. How do you think a kid would do that? Okay, Dion turned Jackson State around. They hot in the HBCU, you know, but 
Dion don't want me at Jackson State or their scholarships is full. But I got three, four scholarships on the table from a USC, Alabama. So should I turn them down and specifically look to go to an HBCU? How many kids do you think would actually do that? You know what? Obviously, Dion, see, Dion is a special case. A coach of his magnitude. NFL Hall of Famer, one of the best DB, one of the best corners, if not the best ever playing professional football, right? If a kid get that opportunity, hell yeah, they go think about it. They go really, exactly. really they go, they go really, really think about it. But at the same time, Jackson State only has so many scholarships available. As I'm saying, they only got, everybody can't go play for him. I, I think the way I look at it now is with him going to a Colorado, he's going to be able to impact even more kids because he's going to have the resources now. He's going to actually have the program behind him. Because I'm going to tell you, Colorado's about to put the bag behind him. It's about to be cracking in Colorado like it was when Eric the Enemy in him was there. Exactly. It's I mean, Colorado used to be a significant school where kids would want to go play. I'm just saying, you know, uh, having that influence at the HBCU level, you know, there's only one Deion Sanders. So how much influence would that have made other four or five star black athletes want to go to HBCUs? You get me? Because like, again, you know, it's Deion. Yeah, if I if Dion give me an offer and I can go down to Jackson State and play for Dion, that's where I'm going. But if I can't get to Jackson State, am and am I frowned upon as a four or five star black athlete by not going to a HBCU? Well, you know what I do notice, eight. Hey, it's a lot of black kids, and I noticed the black kids that are signing up for the um, HBCUs are from families. To where they got resources you know they're not necessarily rich people but they can help their kids out because the rough part about the hbcus all of them ain't bad right they got some of the best educational programs around and i think that's the problem with the hbcus a lot of those chancellors and chairmen they are strictly focused on education they don't give a damn about football they don't give a damn about basketball it was even um i heard a rumor now this is just something i heard i heard a rumor that dion had some kind of tv deal set up right to where each school was going to be able to get a certain amount of money. And I heard the chances was like, well, man, 70% of that money got to go to this and that, to the science department. And Dion was like, no, if I go make this happen, that money needs to all go to the football program because we brought it in. It needs to go towards building these guys' dorms. It needs to go towards getting them better food because Dion said the food was horrible down there when he first got there. You know, they was feeding the kids bologna sandwiches after the game. Damn. Versus you going to an Alabama SC and they got a nice hot plate of food for you with steak, broccoli, and potatoes and stuff. You yeah, see breakfast, that? breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And anytime you want to eat food and places for That's you to go chill, and you know, you know, we've I've taken visits with the kid and all that. So it's a it's a big it's a big jump. You like I said, Dion has a lot of influence, you know, but. How how much does that influence travel to kids who actually can't play for him? Now, do I go? Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a star athlete. I'm being looked at, but you know, outside of going to play for Dion, do I want to go to play for HBCU? 
Like yeah. you said, the, the money is scarce. Some of the facilities aren't up to par, you know, like well, what from what we've heard, you know, uh, I've been to a couple of HBCUs in my days, performed and whatever, and they always seem cracking to me. You know what well, I'm saying? Good schools. They're not bad schools, and that's what I'm saying. Let me paraphrase. Let, let me correct something right here. For all those people out there listening, I am not against anyone attending an HBCU. I think you should do what's best for you and your family. Again, do what's best for you or your family. I would never try to talk nobody out of going to one. I'm just saying in comparison to even a San Jose State, it's difficult. Like San Jose State is a Division I program, right? They got better resources than they would at a Jackson State or a Southern. And you know, one thing I didn't like about the HBCUs or small schools in general is when they play those big ticket games, like they go out and play at Alabama or somebody, and them kids out there getting slaughtered, getting beat, aged or nothing, just so the school can get a check. Right. That wasn't cool to me because you bring them dudes up there on a the bus to drive 18, 19 hours. They go up there, get their ass whooped, then get put right back on the bus and get sent back home. It's not a cool experience for the kids. And this is what I want to do. See, my thing is this. If we go hold Dion accountable, HBCUs have an incredible amount of wealthy alumni. Oprah Winfrey is from an HBCU. How come y'all not pressing her about giving no money back? How come she ain't getting pressed to build no stadiums? You got Taraji B. Henson. You got Tony Braxton. You got Yolanda Adams. You got Jesse Jackson. You got Debbie Allen, Erica Badu, Felicia Rashad, Samuel Jackson, Spike Lee. Now, all of those people in there ain't exactly in the big in their club and everything, but they got some wealthy people on that list. How come your Puff, P. Diddy come from HBCUs? It's been some, there's some famous people that go come from HBCUs. They're not bad schools, not at all. In some cases, they have better educational programs than the main schools. Puffy donated a million dollars, didn't he? Yeah, he did. But you know what, though, James? Yeah, Puffy gave money. My, my thing is this, right? I think us as black people, we can't help but look at it as kind of an emotional thing. I'm not looking at it from the emotional standpoint because I would just love, because see, I remember, I remember reading stories about those schools, how the Alabamas and all of them wouldn't even let brothers go there. If they did go there, they were sicking dogs on them and shit. You know, people, it's still very prejudiced down there. Don't get it twisted. Right. There's still a lot of racism that go down there. But again, Dion can only touch, if he's at, let's say Dion would have stayed at Jackson State, at the most, he's going to be able to touch 15 to 17 new recruits every year, right? Those guys come in, everybody not going to the NFL, first of all. Just because you got Dion coaching, don't, don't mean you just got a guaranteed lock to go in the NFL. Going to the NFL and actually even making a practice roster is like going to go win a lottery ticket. Right. Because there are so many good football players. It's a whole lot of them. They only go trap so many. They only have so many rooms. They only bring a 90 in the camp, and they cutting them down to 52. You got 52 people on the team, and out of them 52 men, only 50, I think 51 of them dress or something like that. I might be wrong. So then you got 16 on the practice squad, right? So you only got so many jobs out there anyway, right? The whole goal for you is to take your ass to school and get an education. Right, exactly. You can become somebody in life, and that's what I tell more kids. We have to start looking for opportunities outside of actually playing the game and being a coach, because the coach will always outlast the player. Those brothers are making incredible money now. 
I was talking to the defensive back coach at SC one day, and he was telling me, man, uh, when he left Oregon, he still had some money from there, right? I think they still owed him like $2 million. Or so. No, when, when he left um, Nebraska to go to Oregon, Oregon owed him $3 million. Nebraska owed him $3 million, right? So they was paying him $3 million over the next season. He went up to Oregon, picked up another $5 million, went to SC and got him about $6, 7000000 million. That's not a bad gig. He's not damaging his nerves. He's not damaging his knees. He's not damaging his back. He's not getting no head injuries. He's up there just coaching football. So we got to start looking at those type of opportunities too. Now, in regards to Dion, the only one that knows what his true intentions was was him and Jesus Christ. But I'm cool with what he did because I'm going to tell you, white guys go to these programs and leave every day, dog. They go in there for one year, use it as a stepping stone and go up. I've even seen coaches go to a school, be there for two or three months, and they get another opportunity, like, fuck the contract. They'll buy that contract out. They had other school buy the contract out, and they'll get on. They don't give a fuck, dog. I'm going to be real with you. Dion cares more about these coaches than the average coach. The average coach in Division One football don't give a fuck about these kids. They just use them. You can just tell, man, from when they come in. You think about the average coach. These coaches, they come and sit in your living room and tell you, Oh, man, your son is going to be great. I'm going to treat him like he's my own. You're going through it right now. Hey, I'm going to treat him like he's my own. Guess what they're doing as soon as they leave your house? They're going to go tell the dude next door the same shit. They're going to the kid down the street. So my advice to anybody out there, pick the school that you want to go to and pick that school that you would be happy at, irregardless where the coach at, because that coach may leave one day. Because right. you got to remember, we're dealing with people. And the loyalty that these the only kids that these coaches are loyal to is the ones living in their house with them. And I'm not mad at that. White folks do it all the time. They're allowed to leave. They're allowed to go. And don't nobody say a damn thing. Well, it's a business. It's part of the game. But the moment the brother want to advance and go do his thing, oh, that motherfucker a sellout. He this and that. You know what? I was excited when Dion went to Jackson State. But I knew I said, man, it's going to take more than just him. We're going to need like a whole influx of new people coming in. Everybody got to want to come in. You feel right. what I'm saying? And, and then you got Shannon Sharp. He said it straight up. He said, I went to an HBU. That's because I was a prop 48 and I ain't have no choice. If I'd have had the choice, chance to go to Alabama, Florida State, you damn right I would have been there. Right. Why not? You think about it, James. These kids want the best. And as a parent, you want the best for your kid. Think about Lionel. Lionel's a little kid now. Let's say Lionel start playing football and become the number one dude in the country. And you're going on visits with him. You're going to Alabama looking at their stadium. You're like, damn, they feeding you steak. Oh, man, after I got finished with the recruiting tips, I didn't even want to eat steak for a whole year, man. I ate so many steaks and, and just stuff three or four times a day, people kissing your ass and doing all this stuff. If you were a kid, that could be very enticing. You got to think about it. These dudes, 17, right. 18 years old, that's very enticing. And then, Dion was able to do the impossible by going to go um, get these elite kids. He stole some kids from Alabama. Dion got to the point to where Nick Saban was hating on him. Nick Saban get any kid he wanted to from University of Alabama. And, had, and it was how that Dion mentioned and said, I think they down there cheating and playing and paying kids. It's like that was some old hater ass shit. I didn't respect um, I didn't respect the old boy for that. But Dion definitely made a splash down there. And the only thing I can say for Jackson State is you already have the momentum. 
they need to focus on trying to hire them another great coach because they got a thing. All of them kids can't leave and go with Dion, but a lot of meals leaving to go with him. Right. He said that when he came in, he said, listen, I'm bringing my own luggage for me. And my luggage is Louis Vuitton. He's going to he's gonna make a splash in the uh, Pac-12. And I'm going to tell you why I do think it's good on one, on one token, James. It's very hard for African-Americans to get jobs at these universities. The more success we have, the more people see us successful, the more they go higher. We need more brothers working at these Division I universities. Hell, 80% of the kids on the team black. Why not have more black coaches? Right. Right. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. 
I'm very jealous of your generation <laughs> yeah. that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. We create magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I ain't really into football like that, but, you know, I've been watching him and I look at him and say, man, that dude doing a good thing. And like you said, he spent a lot of his money on it, but... What if my kid was there? Or I have to make that decision for my kid. Both of y'all got sons that play football, so y'all know better than me. You know what I'm saying? So when well, he would always have us to go back and talk to James, you'd be like, hey Norm, this is what's going on. I'll be able to give you advice. And a lot of it, James, is really just common sense. Like I talked to Aid about nephew. I talked to a lot of the homies about their kids. And I tell them at the end of the day. You want to go somewhere because ain't nothing guaranteed that coach will be there. That's one thing these kids got to know. You go to a university, it ain't no guarantee that the man that bring you in there going to stay there. I told my son that when he was going. I said, man, I know these dudes seem cool. And they're not bad people. They're just doing what's best for their family. You think about it, this is the average coach's career. The average coach jumps around just like that. That's what they do. You figure a dude gets out of college, he may play football. Let's say he go to the league and play for two years, right? He get done with that got his degree and stuff. He get a coaching job. He comes in as a grad assistant, right? Which is like a pretty much the lowest one on the team, right? Mm. Or he either goes into being a recruiting coordinator. He either comes in to be, and becomes a recruiting coordinator or he becomes a person of scouting, right? You know, recruiting mm. to where he's messing with the kids and stuff like that, bringing them in on visits, you know, calling the kids up and everything. Now, if you come in as a GA, you're not making that much money. But if you come in as a, like a recruiting coordinator, I think they start off at 100, 150,000 a year, which is not bad for a young man. That's good. Not bad at all. He gets to travel. <laughs> he gets to, you know, do what he do. And what happens is somebody usually calls that guy that's a recruiting coordinator, the grad assistant for a job. He sees an opening somewhere. The next year he gone. He may go somewhere. He may be in North Dakota for a year being a defensive back coach. But what he's doing is building his resume, right? He goes to North Dakota, becomes a defensive back coach for one or two years. Then he finally may get his opportunity at a big university. They may come call. He may have success at that small school. But then he decides um, he may get a University of Akron, which is a Division I school, and say, hey, we got a job for you. Now he's going from making 150000 to 400000 $500,000 a year, right? He may do that for three years. He may be there for five years. But then – when the Alabamas, Nebraska's and all that coming, especially if he gets a defensive coordinator job and he's won a few games, 
let's say he goes to University of Akron and he knocks off an Ohio State one year or knocks off a, a, a Michigan State, he gonna be the hottest dude in the country. Everybody gonna be like, everybody wants the young coach. That's what makes Lincoln Riley and all these other dudes so attractive to people. These guys are young. Lincoln Riley, I think when I first met him, I think he was 34, 35 years old or something. When I went out there to visit Oklahoma, Chris wanted to go visit Oklahoma, he was young because that's attractive to the kids. He's wearing the same shoes they do. He talked the same thing, in some cases, listening to the same music. So he's able to communicate with those kids versus an old ass man that's out there yelling and barking at them. Right. And so it, it gets going. And one thing about it, like, you got coaches out there like Nick Saban who are very, very good football coaches. Very good football coaches. I think Nick Saban on Ben, he's been in the national championship game eight. How many times in the last decade? Maybe seven, six? A, a lot. He's always there. He consistently wins, right? But Dion was getting he Dion struck a nerve with him even. This is a dude that shouldn't even be thinking about Dion. <laughs> Nick Saban said Dion down there cheating because he has stole a player from he stole a player from Nick Saban. Well, he didn't steal a player, he convinced the player to come to his program. I, I think Dion is gonna go to Colorado and be very successful. And I think it's gonna be good for everybody at the end of the day. But Dion couldn't single hit handily saying they saved the swag in no way. I think he was down there. I'm not gonna say he was wasting his time, but if he thought he was gonna go down there and revolutionize the way stuff was changed, man, there's too much money involved. He'd have needed a whole bunch of paper. He would have literally needed somebody like an Oprah Winfrey to come in and say, listen. I'm gonna make a forty million dollar donation to the swag, and that wouldn't even been enough money. It would have been a start, though. I think I think people just because of you know you know people saying he brought in thirty million dollars and he brought in the, you know the big businesses and people who wouldn't have normally wanted to fuck around with you know Jackson State or HBCU whatever. You know, he got people to start, you know, wanting to to fuck around with it. So I guess people take it personal, you know, that, you know, him as a black man first, you know, knowing the influence he could have on, uh, you know, these black kids. um, Could could his influence start a fluctuation of 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 black NFL, ex-NFL players or coaches or whatever to, you know, seek out HBCUs for coaching jobs or offensive coordinator jobs. And, you know, who knows, you know? You know what the thing was, and that was one of the things, Dion brought him a nice staff down there. But from what I heard, guess who was paying, guess who got the money together to pay the staff? He did. He was telling them, hey, I need to pay my guys. You know, these guys out here working 60, 70 hours a week. So let me ask you another question. Knowing what, basically when he took the position, he already knew what he was up against, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's Jackson State, you know. Um, What, you know, what was they, you know, what was their record before Dion showed up? They weren't winning too many games. No, they were a very dismal program. So the the excitement, I guess, and the the hope for what 
uh, H, uh, you know, Jackson State or HBCU or alumni or whatever, past students, whatever. I guess the hope of what they felt that Dion could have influenced to help the HBCUs or the programs is why a lot of people felt like, you know, uh, he used us or, you know, uh, why not stay and keep that influence here and help out, you know, but like I say, once again, would it be beneficial? You know, would you, James, would you turn down $5 million when you getting 250, 300 a year, as opposed to getting 5 million? Like I said, it all depends. It depends on the kids. Now you got to look at what Dion went through with that program. And now that he had a successful program, now they want him to stay and they think he should have stayed. But he said, I beg to differ. I'm gonna go on and do bigger and better things and I'm gonna take my kids and I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna do something else, but somewhere else. I mean, I don't think you could be mad at him. It's just a decision that he made. So why is everybody pissed off? Why is it all of a sudden now, Oh, prime time, he arrogant, he this, he that. You don't hear that about everybody else, man. So- yeah, because some people feel like he uh, he used us as a stepping stone. I mean, but well, like I say again, mm-hmm. is it is it ne- like my quest is to excel, right? And uh, that that's my, if, I, if I'm in the work, whatever I do, whether, whether if, if I'm rapping, my quest is to sell millions of records, right? Right. If 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 I'm working at a, a, a company and I'm starting at the bottom, I one day want to become the fucking president. I want to own this motherfucker, right? That's my goal. Right. Nobody thinks small, right? If you're that ambitious cat, you get me? Like we we the podcast, whatever we do, we want it to go from here to here. Exactly. So you want to be big as big as you are. You are, are, are you looked upon and then why are you frowned upon or or you just use me as a stepping stone? But this is what I think, and I'm being serious about it. Let's say hypothetically, let's say he did have a plan all along, right? Let's say he did have a plan all along because I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a minute. Dion has coached his kids at every level, which is rare, right? He coached his kids at Pop Warner. Right. It was time for him to go to high school. That dude went and brought a high school. Dude, he made his own high school and put some studs around his kids, made his high school. When now he was done, his kids was out of high school, he went and got him a job at Jackson State. Now he's moved them up. I'm pretty sure in the back of his head, he said, you know what? His son, the quarterback, is a bad motherfucker. He threw for like 4,000 yards, ran for like another 1,000, something like that, I believe. Could be wrong, but but he was a good quarterback. He knows that kid is never going to have a chance in hell of winning the Heisman out of a swag, right? The level of competition just ain't the same. He's going to have to be a somewhere at minimum like a Colorado. You feel what I'm saying? Exactly. So let's say he did have in his mind that I'm using these places to stepping stones. Everywhere he left was better. He left it in better condition than it was when he came. It's almost like somebody coming over here and borrowing my Tahoe. They borrow my Tahoe. They bring it back. 
and say, oh man, I wrecked your Tahoe, but guess what? And he pulled up in here in a new Bentley truck or something like that. I'm not gonna be mad. He left everywhere he was at in better condition. Like, I think he genuinely cared about the places he was at, but he might've had in his mind the whole time, like, I'm gonna follow my kids up through this whole thing. And my thing is this, I can't sit up here and lie and say I wouldn't do the same damn thing if I could. If eight, if me and you had the power, if me and you had the power, dog, to say, we go coach our kid at every level. Let's say Karan go to school and they say, hey, we think you're a hell of a coach. They offer you a coaching job and you could mess around in there. Let's say even if you're not coaching your kid, you're just getting to be around them every day, right? Now let's say he messed around and go to the NFL and they say, you know what, hey, we really like you as a coach. We go bring you in as a scout. Now you with your kid. If you could do that, would you do it? You got damn right. That's what I'm saying. We expect people to hold up to expectations. We won't do our damn self. We expect stuff out of people. We won't do ourselves. I'll be sitting up here lying like a motherfucker. If somebody offered me an NFL job and I knew I could help my son out, not just my son, possibly your son, possibly Lionel down the line, hell yeah, I'm going to go take it to put me in a position of power. I could put kids on. Right. I could put kids on and change their life and give them an opportunity. So I think we get mad sometimes that people for doing the same shit we would do. And it's not like, let's eat. Now, I'm, I'm even playing devil's advocate. Let's say he had his mind planned. He went down there, spent money, got donors for the program. Now, I'm going to tell you what would be real fucked up if all of them people that was looking out for him and donate money to the program just because Deion Gone stopped doing it. No, you have to be genuine with your attentions. If you go get that kids some money and do for him, keep on doing for him regardless of whether it's Deion coaching there or motherfucking MCA coaching there. Do the same shit. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, you know, the attitudes of people. So, you know, it's just unfortunate that, you know, you could try to put yourself in a better position. But, you know, some people look at it as, you know, um, when it comes to our people, you get me. We're very opinionated about certain situations and, you know. Half of us going to be like, hey, good decision, man, step up, you know, next level. And the other half of us going to be like, that's some fucked up shit, you know. So well, sports it's hard always to bring out the emotions of people. Hey, it's the same thing when, when LeBron left Cleveland. You know, I'm a diehard Cleveland Cavaliers fan from the Brown, from Cleveland Browns. I'm everything Cleveland. That's my city. That's where I'm from. When LeBron left Cleveland after us having that shitty team for decades, me watching them motherfuckers lose game after game. The last time, um, the last time Cleveland was good was when they had um when they had the one team. Not the, not the Cavs good. Remember back in the 80s when the Cavs had a decent basketball team? Right. So just imagine me. We had a sorry ass football team the whole time growing up. A thing we finally winning now, and it's with a nigga that's from the land, it's with a nigga that's from Ohio. When he left, dog, I'm not going to lie, I was pissed off the motherfucker. I didn't go buy burning his jerseys and shit, but I had to sit back as a grown-ass man and understand, man, this motherfucker making more money than me, and I'm sitting up here worried about what the fuck he got going on. He need to go do what the hell is best for him and his family. Right. Because yeah. I'm going to tell you this, even when LeBron left, he still do a gang of shit for Ohio, dog. For Northeast Ohio, this dude don't open up schools. He don't fed people. He don't build houses for people. He still goes back and does what he needs to do for his community. You feel what I'm saying? 
And it's, it's the level of the level which people, you know, in uh, uh, opinionate shit is, is you know, it, it goes to a real high level. Because it's like you said, why do I sit? Why should I give a fuck? If the you know he making a decision, he making a decision that he feels is is gonna better him as a person, better the situation, better for his family, and that don't mean I ain't gonna still influence uh, uh, my people. You get me? I'm still gonna encourage black youngsters to you know do what they can do and go to school get your education whether you come in here to colorado or you going to jackson state or any other motherfucking place you feel me so it's it's unfortunate that a motherfucker gotta feel like you know you use me you know what i'm saying and now you finna take off and go to the greener pastures and who's to say it's gonna be greener you Bring get no more, but Dion got to make some of that money back. He been spending over there. In Jackson State. <laughs> <laughs> he got to go make that paperback, man. Dion said, "Fuck this, I'm out of this motherfucker." <laughs> See, still there. He got to make some of that money back. Shit. See, we fifty now, dogs, and James. We all around the same age group. When you get older, you stop thinking with less emotion and just more about shit for what it is. You know what I mean? It's like, ain't no need to get sad or mad. That motherfucker, even when he was that motherfucking Jackson State had more money than me, I don't care what Dion do, to be honest with you, because the thing is, man, he left that motherfucker in good shape. They got a new practice field out of him. They got all kind of bring it, all kind of sponsors and stuff. He going on about his business. He going to go coach his kids. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to laugh like a motherfucker. If one of them niggas get drafted, he winds up going to the NFL and coach. I'm going to laugh like a motherfucker. I'm going to say this nigga man, to let a whole throw, Let me throw this curveball, right? Because this is on some other shit. But Dion didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't leave. Like you said, he didn't leave the school in shambles. Uh, he didn't, you know, leave a bad stain. You know, we got a winning record. We're going to the, the bowl game and all of that shit. But, and everybody real pissed off and shit. But we ain't, we still ain't, fo- we still ain't talked about, uh, we still ain't focused on Brett Farr and them stealing money from the people of Mississippi. And then stealing money out and and fucking over the welfare fund to try to get a fucking volleyball court built. But we focused on Dion leaving because he wants to go get a better job. It's crazy how motherfuckers pick and choose what they want to focus on uh, in, in, in certain situations. You get me? Right. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made, 
and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. You know what, bro? And it's always going to be like that. Just like I said, it's coaches that don't done way worse than Dion. I've seen coaches 
bring the whole truckload of kids in and leave the next motherfucking day. Because you know some of those guys get bonuses for signing certain kids, right? I've seen them dudes come in and get their bonuses and get the fuck on. Don't nobody say nothing about it. But the kid is fucked over because he may be at a school. He never he, he may be at the school just because of that coach. Just because he liked them. That's why I tell these young men, we have to start learning. See, in some instances, ain't nothing wrong with being selfish. You have to do what's in the best for you because everybody else is doing what's best for them. Now, that don't mean you go fuck people over or you, you know you always want to carry yourself a class of conviction, right? But me knowing that as a little kid, if I was a kid going to a school now, I would, for one, pick a school that I knew I was going to be cool at, regardless of whether this motherfucker there or not. I wouldn't leave and go too far away unless it was somewhere that I really like wanted to be at. Like, there's some kids, dog, that's their dream to go to university at. Um, it may be a cat's dream to go to Ohio State, Alabama, or SC. They don't give a damn who the head coach is. It's their dream to be there, so they go be straight, whatever, right? Right. You have to go into situations with the mentality that I am going to make the most of my opportunity because really that coach didn't do nothing wrong with you. He gave you an opportunity to change your life because you can become whoever you want to become in college through education, right? He gave you opportunity. He didn't take the scholarship when he left. He gave you a scholarship. So he's telling you for five years, you are going to be able to come here, get you a, a master's degree, a bachelor's degree, possibly a master's, may have a possibility of going to NFL. Hell, if the NFL don't work out, you go have a degree, you go have a very good life, right? Right. As long as you got that, bro, that's all you can ask for out of this. I've never left, I've never left no situation my son was in feeling like somebody owed him something. Because I feel like everything is on him. It's like, okay, you at the end of the day, you still have to go to class and perform. You still have to perform on a football field. So it's all on him anyway. That coach that's there don't guarantee him none of that because you still got to go play. It's just like Dion's kids. Dion being their daddy don't necessarily mean they're going to get drafted in the first round either. You know, God you know, God willing, everything work out fine for him, but ain't no guarantees in that stuff. People get hurt. Stuff happens. You feel what I'm saying? So it's like at the end of the day, man, we all, we come in this world by ourselves and we go leave this motherfucker by ourselves. So we got to stop being so dependent on the next man, whether they black, white, brown, red, or whatever. They need to do their thing. You know, I see all these people writing articles and I say, man, wow, coaches leave programs every day. I've never seen nothing get talked about or wrote about like this, man. It's a lot of pissed off people, man. There are a lot of pissed off people right now. Yeah, they are. It, it is. And, and I really think, hey, at the end of the day, bro, this is what I believe. I think the man, I don't think he's a messed up dude. I've actually talked to Dion before. Dion is one of the coolest people I don't ever talk to. He's a real person. He tell you how it is. And I'm going to tell you what I didn't like. All of these people talking shit behind him. When Dion was down there, he was kind of like the scorn of the conference. I saw the most unprofessional shit ever. You had another black man that played the NFL, that coached one of the other teams. Dion went out there and whooped his ass, right? He didn't want to shake the man's hand. Right. First yeah. of all, yeah. when we play in sports, man, sports always has to be about character. Not to sound like no old fogey, but it's certain stuff you don't do in a football field. Hey, when we was young, you did not shake your opponent's hand, no matter what happened, whether you beat their ass 80-something or nothing, or whether they whooped your ass 80-something or nothing. You shook hands, you walked across the field, you played the game with some honor in class, especially you a head coach. I can see kids being mad and not shaking their enemy's hand like, fuck that, we're not going out there and hopping with them motherfuckers. 
the thing is, bro, at the end of the day, you had people treating him like shit when he was down there. That was disrespectful. That coach let his kids disrespect Dion, cussing at him, what the hell is punk ass? You know what I mean? Yeah, I saw Who that. The hell? My thing is this. If I ever had, if I'm a college football coach and the kid on my team called the opposition coach, you know, man, you're not playing on my team no more. You suspended. That I was called you. shit, man. That just, that's all that was. Yeah, it still ain't cool because we have to address all that. See, we can't point the finger at one thing and not call the other stuff out. It's like even when Jerry Jones gave that whole backhanded ass comment. You know how Jerry Jones responded to LeBron for pointing that out. Like, why you not asking me about Jerry Jones being in the picture with all them races, right? Right. He said something like he made sure to say what LeBron has made the most opportunities and made a lot of money. People have made a lot of money with me too. First of all, man, you're not giving nobody nothing. For every million dollars you don't spend on a football player, you don't probably made five or 10. So knock it off. It's a business. You feel what I'm saying? A business. See, I'm going to tell y'all something. The whole business of football is designed for to win games, right? In the NFL, it's about money. That's why you have guys um, that may have certain stipulations in their contract. Like if they get voted into the Pro Bowl, if you get voted into the Pro Bowl, they got to give you a bonus, right? Or if you if you a starter for so many plays, they got to give you a bonus. I guarantee you, man, you ask any player that don't play in the NFL, they would tell you when they close to getting that bonus, a coach will mysteriously put their ass on the bench because these owners do not want to pay out that bonus. They may say, hey, man, such and such. If you know if this motherfucker play five more plays, we got to pay his ass $2 million. They will sit your ass down with the quickness. Or have a doctor tell you that your ass that you heard of some bullshit like that. You feel what I'm saying? Politics. It's a fucked up business, dog. So you gotta treat it accordingly. Now that don't mean you go out there and disrespect people, but you have to go out there with it in mind that it is a business, so any and everything will happen. See, this is my prediction with college football anyway, Abe. It's always the kids that pay the price, right? That's why they slowly changed the transfer route because they would tell kids, like, how you going to tell a kid he can't transfer somewhere and y'all letting coaches break contracts and leave left and right? I don't understand this era because in my day, hey, do you remember this? When you sign a recording contract, a motherfucker is obligated to give you what's in that contract. It ain't like that exactly. in football. Football is the only sport that ain't like that. You can sign a contract. Put, I couldn't put out a motherfucking record and then go, oh, yeah, I didn't promote my record good enough, so I'm about to hit the motherfucking label portal. And, hey, hey, every other label, exactly. I'm free now. No. Once, once I signed the contract, I had to give a motherfucker a certain amount of records, and I was locked in for a certain amount of years. Right. You know, they so make it. They make it now to where a motherfucker could fit. And, and let's a lot of the shit is for exposure and for the bread now. Because let's yeah. face it, if 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 I'm a hot nigga at one place, right? But we're mediocre. But I'm hot. Right, I could jump in this motherfucking portal, man. And now a motherfucker where I couldn't, where I originally, where I couldn't go, nigga could snatch me up. Now you feel you me? See, so, he has got to be careful in that portal, bro, because they say something like, "I think it's something," and I could be wrong. I don't want to be throwing numbers around, but a good percentage of those kids that go in the portal, 
don't get picked up by other kids. And I'm going to tell you the other thing I don't like about the portal is the fact that it takes away from the high school recruits. Yes, it does. See, football has to be a game. High school is the life force of college football, right? If we start cutting into that to where a coach say, well, man, shit, I ain't going to go get why, – why am I going to go sign Karan from out here when I can get a dude that don't play – even if he didn't play that much. Hell, he was on he was on Alabama's um, – Exactly. He played at special teams at Alabama for two years. I'm going to bring him in. What it, what it turns into, bro, the game is slowly turning into a pro game, but the only kid, people not benefiting from it is the kids. The coaches making millions of dollars. The schools are making millions of dollars, right? Everybody except the kids. Now, they're giving these kids these little NLI things, but the school, they're not getting them the money from the TV stuff. They, they are free to get sponsors from people if they want to. If somebody decided to come in and give Chris 100000 that year, he could take it, right? But he wasn't getting none of that TV money, none of the jersey money, none of that other stuff. Why do we? Why do they need an NIL? Just start breaking these kids off and letting them participate in the thing because they going through the same shit professional athletes doing now. Hell, they can cut a kid in college football now, which is well, crazy to me because one thing I always understood about college football, and I tell everybody that from my kid on to yours, everybody else, Lionel, when he start playing, you are not guaranteed a starting job when you go to a university. You have to go earn that motherfucker. You got to go take a motherfucking shit. And please believe, no matter how well you play that year, they're bringing in somebody the next year to replace your ass, and they bringing somebody in a year after to replace that guy, right? I'm fine with that. But this whole thing about coaches going to schools and signing contracts and making a commitment to be somewhere, my thing is this. If you sign a contract saying that you're going to be somewhere for three years, you need to honor your motherfucking contract and stay your ass there. You should have to stay there because you made the decision to go because you were impacting other people's lives, not just your own. You got kids that's coming over there. So I go out there, I go on the road all season. I go visit your house. I go visit James' house. I go over there and tell Lionel, man, I really love you, man. We have fun. I'm going to make you the best linebacker that you could possibly be. Whoopty, whoopty, whoop. And Lionel don't trust me. See, look, kids entrust people. They meet people. Look, kids are very impressionable. That's why I never half-assed committed to coaching a team. That's why I ain't coached in the last few years, eight, because I couldn't commit to the time. Because my thing is this, man, I'm not going out fucking with no kids' heads. I'm not going to go out there and they get used to seeing Coach Steele around and I'm there one day, ain't there the next, and, and this and that. I'll see how Lionel get a text. I mean, remember Lionel saw me there one time and said, man, you forgot to give me a hug. Kids right. get attached to adults. I don't care if they little like that dude or they 17 or 18. You see, you still got a house full of kids that's been, you've been coaching for eight because they attached to you. You're going to be forever and better than they bring as coach eight. These kids, as coach eight, these kids coming out of high school feel the same way. They go there and trust people. And then it's a mind fuck almost because you look up, man, that dude just sat in my living room and lied to me. They should have the right to get the fuck on if they feel that way, especially if they don't have some motherfucker slip talk they ass into going there. Because I'm going to tell you, these coaches fuck with kids heads, man. I, it got so bad over here, man, that while I had motherfuckers over my house at 11 o'clock at night, dog, trying to convince my son. On the day of signing, dog, my son was just crying. And when it came time to sign, he was just around this motherfucker like this because... He got one person pulling this way, another person. And you got to think about it, bro. All of these schools are very nice schools. You go to all of them. You're going to want to commit to all of them when you go because it's all the same because they're showing you the best parts of everything. They're taking you to the coolest places. They're, taking, they're treating you like a star. You go to the hotel. You got candy all in there and all kind of shit. You know what I mean? 
you're doing your thing. They're taking you out, showing you a good time. When you get there, that shit ain't nothing like that. You're like, well, where's all the fanfare at? They don't give a you here now, motherfucker. You here now, man. I, I think it's just a fucked up situation, man. Um, I actually wish Dion the best of luck in his new endeavor, man. We need for him Me to be too. successful. No matter how bad it gets, what I don't want to have happen is that he go there and have a disaster of a season. Because, see, we can't afford to fuck up. Hey, when we do something wrong, we not looked at as individuals. They put it on the whole black race. Because I know in the back of their mind, then they said this for the longest. Like they used to say we couldn't play quarterback. Or they're not smart enough to play quarterback. They can't throw the ball. They're not intelligent enough. Um, all they can do is run. We proved that wrong. They said we couldn't coach football. We proved that wrong. There are a number of different. Now, they, I don't know if we ever have a black owner in the NFL. Hopefully that happens one day. But as long as we got the system the way it is, man, it's a need to repair. Because I'm going to tell you what's about to happen, eight. You got these spring leagues like the USFL and the XFL. And what people are not paying attention to, the XFL is putting a thing that it's open to people out of high school and college. So I'll be honest with you. And the XFL paying for people to go to school. They're letting you do on, on school online. So if you ain't finished your degree or need to go, you know, get your degree, they're paying for that, even if you're not there no more, right? They're paying for that. So you think about it, if you're a high school kid that ain't really feeling traditional school like that no more, right? It's just some kids that's good students, but they just don't like school. They don't like going to sit in the class for nine hours. They going there to play football, right? So you think about it, if you are running back, let's say you are running back from Dominguez, and your family not really doing cool, cool, too cool because the only people with that in their life shit making money is quarterbacks and offensive players, right? Them the dudes making big money. If you a corner, you you can make sixty, fifty thousand dollars. You doing great, but you not they not gonna get them the million dollar deals like these other kids don't got, right? You know, like the dude at SC, he already a millionaire. Dude Bryce at Alabama already a millionaire, but they yeah. those positions that they can demand that type of money, right? You have to be realistic about it. Me, myself, if I'm the number one running back coming out of high school and I don't like school, I barely made it up that motherfucker. I'm considering going to the XFL and play in the spring because the thing is, this is the ticker to it, right? You don't have to go to college to get drafted in the NFL. Now, the whole keep the NFL now, if you're a NCAA player, that's the way it works, right? If you're an NCAA player, right, you have to go to school for at least three seasons, right? You're not making no money during that time. You got to do this and do that. And you could go there and get fucked over. You can have your coach put you on a bench, talk bad about you, and you don't get drafted, right? But if you're a guy coming out of high school, I think the XFL top off at maybe 70, which ain't no bad money for playing fucking 10 games of football. Mm -hmm. You know, you're making 70 racks. And hell, the quarterbacks in there making half a million dollars. You know, the quarterbacks always make money. That's why I'm like, damn, they get... Ten times, like, way more money than the regular, you know, players, right? But the quarterback is the man on the team, right? So I'm thinking like this. Like, you look at JT Daniels that came out of modern day. You know, he got hurt at SC, and he don't been in a couple of bad situations, right? He would have damn near been best to come out of high school and play in the XFL for three years, right? Even if he wouldn't have played his first year and set the bench, ball for two years and been eligible for the draft. 
Exactly. They could draft him out the XFL and say, "Hey, you don't. You gonna start seeing that in a few years? Watch, see, because it's almost getting to where it don't make no sense to go play college football. It's too much shit they can happen. First of all, the motherfucker that's there go probably not be there no more. You probably go have two or three coordinators a year, and that's very important. It's two. It's two positions on a team. But actually, three positions on a team that that impacts you. If you're a quarterback, if you're a wide receiver, and you're a DB." If they bring in motherfuckers in there that's changing up the program all day, let's say you a press man corner, right? You get a coach in there that wants you to do some whole other shit, right? That fucks your game up, right? It limits your game because you're not doing what you excel at, right? Let's say you a wide receiver and a motherfucker come in and he want to run a ball 70 times a game. That's going to piss you off, right? The thing is, it's not a bad move to go play in the XFL if you are a high school football player. You go in there and get your degree. You play for three years. Hell, the NFL probably would like you for even more because guess who plays in the XFL? Former NFL players. Everybody in that motherfucker been in the league. Some of them kids, first, former first-round draft picks. So if you go out there and ball against them for a long time, hell, you're going to be ready. You're going to be more prepared for the game than you was them playing in college. Think about it. The game would turn the pro around us, and the only people not benefiting is the kids, dog. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you just got to watch out, man, with this shit. I just, you know, the, like you said, best to Dion in his situation. I hope people are able to uh, get over, you know, the fact that, you know, uh, that he uh, took the job at Colorado. You know, some people wanted him to stay. I get it, you know. Got a lot of, you know, people upset about it. And a lot of people say, hey, you got to do what you got to do. So it's just, Man, it's just it it because, because I'm going to tell you like this, and we leave it like this. Every fucking body else doing what they want to. Go get your paper, Dion. Right. Go That's get your I, paper, dog, because everybody else doing it, dog. So, so right. I don't know why it should be different. You know, we appreciate y'all for tuning in. And, hey, man, you came with a dude tonight. We had to start letting you pick the topics a lot more often, dog. Right. That's I, I, I just, you know, it's, it's it's a lot of been going around. Also, just on one quick note, you know, I also seen that uh, they uh, they they arrested, you know, a couple of people in takeoff, uh, you know, murder. Uh, so, you know, uh, glad that that's going down. I also seen some shit today where they say the family is, you know, over, you know, because you know, when you're young like that, you usually don't have a will. So, right, oh, it's kind of interesting to see how that's gonna play out, you know, with the family and you know, with you know, you know, money always fucks people up, money and material shit. So, you know, my nigga had cars and jewelry and you know, probably homes and shit, and you know, no telling what was in his bank account. So, you know. Unfortunate. You know how that is. You got managers out there. You got homeboys that's like helping with the bookings. Ain't no telling how many deposits is out there. That niggas don't cap. And like you know, once you send that deposit off, dog, that money ain't coming back. Right. And you know how much you think them dudes is getting? They getting at least a couple hundred thousand a show. Yeah, I'm at sure. Least, at least you know they, they were stars, man. They were huge. And, you know, forget the money, man. The saddest part about that whole situation is that that kid ain't even got a chance to live his life, man. He wasn't even 30 years old yet. He wasn't? No, he wasn't. No, he was like 27, 28. Yeah, he was a young dude, man. He was a baby. He was a baby. 
Yeah, he's all that money. Man. And, and, and you know what? Making all that money, and just because he was making money don't mean he got to live hell. I don't think I really became a man, dog, till I was 30 years old. Don't get me wrong. I was a man, but I was immature in the motherfucker. Right. right. Well. You feel me? You know, prayers, man, prayers to his family, man, his people, man. That, that's an unfortunate situation. We just got to do better all the way around, bro. Right, we do. And Nicole, and you know, you got another dynamic in this now because they said that the guy that allegedly shot him, everybody is in shock because they said he was a good dude. Yeah. What's a good dude? But you yeah. know what, James? It, it comes back to this shit right here, man. You could be the nicest dude in the world, and all it takes is for motherfuckers to say one thing to set somebody off, dog, and next thing you know, you do something you regret that you can't take back. Right. And you know, I'll be out there on that road, man. You be you you keep your head up and watch the motherfuckers out there. You know My thing saying? about me is, is I've come to a time where, you know, a lot of situations like that, I, I, I tend to avoid, you know, um, Sometimes being young, sometimes being, you know, you know, popular, you know, having things, whatever. You have the attitude sometimes of, you know, invincible, you know. Um, and especially when you're in a position to where you don't have beef with a lot of motherfuckers, you, you like, you know. I'm cool with everybody mentality, but uh, like I try to tell motherfuckers, you can be that person, but it don't mean the people you around are, right. you know? And it's unfortunate, like I used to tell niggas, um, you know, when I used to travel and take 10, 15 niggas with me and shit like that, I'd be the most humblest nigga on the planet cool with you. I mean, disagreements, we can settle like men, talk it out, whatever. I can't control the other 14 niggas in the pack. You get me? And I might know a few of those that I could talk to, but you can't control everybody that's roaming with the crew. You feel me? With that crew shit, dog, I learned the hard way. I did that one time, taking motherfuckers with you, dog. After that, it was just me and my DJ, dog. I mean, it's just unfortunate, you know, because everybody's their own man. At you know, what I'm saying, you know, um, I don't give a fuck. I'm my own man, whether it's me and you or it's me and fifty niggas. Right, right. I'm my own man, and. It comes to a point to where you can't tell me what the fuck to do. And if if I'm that type of motherfucker, if I feel like I'm getting off, I'm going to get off. I don't give a fuck who it is. I don't care. You get me? You could be my best ace coon boom in the world, but you can't tell me shit. Right. I'm finna pull this thing out and I'm finna go. You get me? And I don't care about the situation of who it is or who it might be or who might catch or whatever. I'm my own motherfucker. You know that just like I know it. So you just got to know your surroundings and know the motherfuckers you with. And 
I'm the type of nigga, if I can't count on my hand, on my one feel, oh, I know that nigga, that nigga, then maybe this ain't the place I need to be. You feel right. me? You can't control everybody. You can't control them. I don't give a fuck who you are. Whether you the nigga with the hundred million and you leading the whole pack. You can't control a man's actions. I don't give a fuck. You get me? And some of those actions, unfortunately, be misguided and they be fucked up. Everybody not thinking like you. You thinking, hey, I'm going to come here, be peaceful, get my ass back to the crib, and the night is over. Right. Everybody don't have you. So just got to watch your surroundings, man. Watch who you at. I tell my son that all the time. You get me? You just got to watch who you around, man. You get me? That's right. unfortunate. You can't control. You can't. You. I don't give a fuck. If you you would have pack you would have pack of six kids and and one of them motherfuckers want to snatch a snicker, he gonna snatch that motherfucker. There's nothing you can do about it. And now y'all all gonna get caught for that motherfucking piece of candy. You get me? So watch who you with. Don't be influenced by shit. And then sometimes you just need not be around the motherfucker. Stay your yeah. ass at home. Right. That's real. You can't get no you can't get no shit at home, can you? That's real. The boring motherfucker always, you know what, man? Somebody say to me, man, I forget it was one of my uncles. He said, Man, ain't nothing going on good at the eleven o'clock at night. No, I'm sorry. He said ain't nothing going on good after eleven. At eleven, maybe at, the, at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it might be some shit cracking still yeah, at 11. No, 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 nobody left it there. You stand out there in the morning. We know you have to know. For sure, for sure, man. Well, All man, right, y'all. I appreciate y'all, fellas, man. All right, for sure. I'll let y'all in a minute. For All sure. right. Later. Well, that concludes another episode of the Gangster Chronicles podcast. Be sure to download the iHeart app and subscribe to the Gangster Chronicles podcast. For Apple users, find a purple mic on the front of your screen, subscribe to the show, leave a comment and rating. Executive producers for the Gangster Chronicles podcast are Norman Steele, James McDonald, and Aaron MCA Tyler. Our visual media director is Brian Wyatt, and our audio editor is Taylor Hayes. The Gangster Chronicles is a production of iHeart Media Network and the Black Effect Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues 
pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.